اعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم الحمد لله رب العالمین و صلی الله علی سیدنا محمد و آله الطاهرین اللهم صل علی محمد و آله محمد ورس نمبر 84 و امطرنا علیهم مطرا فانظر کیف کان عاقبت المجرمین Then we poured down upon them a rain. So observe how was the fate of the guilty. Now this verse, of course, deals with the type of uh, punishment which came on the people of uh, Sodom, Qawmalut, and it only talks about it as a rain. Now this was, of course, a very vexed and evil type of rain. Because in other surahs it says, وَأَمْتَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ مَطَرًا فَسَاءَ مَطَرُ الْمُنْذَرِينَ How evil was this rain which came down on those who were already warned. Now this rain was of course not rain of water, it was rain of clays and stones. In surah Dhariyat, when the messengers of God inform Ibrahim what they are going to do, In Sodom, they said that قَالُوا إِنَّا أُرْسِلْنَا إِلَىٰ قَوْمٍ مُجْرِمِينَ We are sent to a criminal people. لِنُرْسِلَ عَلَيْهِمْ حِجَارَةً مِنْطِينَ To send over them stones made of clay. حِجَارَةً مِنْطِينَ Stones made of clay. So it was not ordinary stone. Raining from the sky. مُسَوَّمَةً عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ لِلْمُسْرِفِينَ It's all marked by your Lord for Musrifin. That means for every person there is a marked stone coming down on them to kill them and to punish them. Now here of course uh, it was a quite natural disaster which happened. I will talk about what type of natural disaster it was. But the way it is mentioned from behind the scene, this is very interesting. Because what we usually see of these things is what happens over the scene, here in this world that we see. There are things which work behind the scene that we do not see. Here the angels say that our Lord has ordered us to do this, to send this rain. And every stone is marked by your Lord for every individual so when we talk about the angels doing it and on the other hand the natural disaster which happened we have to bear in mind here the Quran is shifting and switching from one dimension to another dimension from over the scene to behind the scene and vice versa we should not mix these two things together and uh, also we shouldn't think that this role played by the angels here is only specifically restricted to these type of incidents. Anything which happens in this world has a behind-scene uh, factor, which of course is the work of angels, is always of course hidden from us. However, if, the, the behind, if those angels are not working behind the scene, then nothing will happen in this nature. This is the type of cosmology which of course all religions teach us. That there's always two dimensions to whatever you see. One dimension is the cause and effect dimension. It works perfectly 
in a chain which you never can detect anything else behind it. However, if you move beyond this material world, you would see that behind the scene there are other things working to make this chain of cause and effect to work. So, this uh, in Surah Ariyat here, what we have is the uh, the punishment by stones made of clay coming from the sky. In Surah Qamar, the punishment is described in this way. Hasib is storm which brings pebbles and stones. So again, the same thing. It was not just stones coming from the sky. It was a huge wind, a storm, which brought all these uh, to, to, to the cities of uh, people of the loot. As we said, there were five cities, but, but the most uh, important ones were Sodom and Amura. So, of course, Al-Lut, not that we, they, they stayed in the city and they were saved, but in the morning before dawn, in Sahar, before the punishment coming, we saved them, we took them out of the city. And then it says, of course, this was ni'matan min indina, kadalika najzi man shakar. Whoever is thankful in this way, we would reward them by, of course, saving them in this way. Now, in Surah Hud, uh, the same thing is mentioned, but that clay, teen, is uh, explained in more details. It says, فَلَمَّا جَاءَ أَمْرُنَا جَعَلْنَا آلِيَهَا سَافِلَهَا وَأَمْتَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ حِجَارَةً مِنْ سَجِّيلٍ مَنْذُودٍ Here, سَجِّيل is also a stone made of clay, teen. However, سَجِّيل is, is an Arabized form of a Persian term, سَنْجِجِل. سَنْجِجِل means a stone which is made of clay, made of mud. And it was manzood, that means it was in a sort of laminar shale. The, the stones had a sort of uh, very reg, leg, regular pattern in them, which shows that they came probably from a volcano. They came from a volcano which made a sort of shape to these uh, uh, stones made of clay, actually sort of molten things then uh, coming out. Uh, it was a volcanic sort of a storm coming, covering the whole cities on the shores of the Dead Sea, which uh, destroyed them completely. And again, he says, Musawwamatan in Rabbik. They were marked by your Lord. It was a natural disaster, but you could not see the other side of uh, this story, which your Lord had marked every stone for every individual. Do not think that other zalimin are far away from such punishments. Now, in Surah Hajr, again, it says, Now, here, a new factor is brought in about this punishment, and this is the huge sound, the cry, 
a huge sound took them in the morning فَأَخَذَتْهُمُ السَّيْحَةُ مُشْرِقِينَ فَجْعَلْنَا عَالِيَهَا سَافِلَهَا وَأَمْتَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ حِجَارَةً مِنْ سَجِّيلٍ We made the bottom of it the topmost of it. We overturned it. The whole city, we overturned it. And then أَمْتَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ حِجَارَةً We rained on them a stone made of سجيل, made of that clay of سنجيل. So, what can we make of all this? There was a seyha, a big sound. Then there was uh, stones coming from sky and a huge earthquake turning the whole city upside down. What usually this may uh, allude to or indicate is that there was a huge volcanic explosion which was accompanied by an earthquake which destroyed the whole five cities together. So uh, it was sort of, the, the stones were sort of volcanic storm coming over them and the جَعَلْنَا عَلِيَهَا سَافِلَهَا which upturned the whole cities over its people may refer to the huge earthquake which accompanied that uh, volcanic uh, storm. Uh, what we can get out of all these is that although the punishment came by the angels, although the angels, those three angels, Jebrail and the other two angels who had actually divulged the whole story to Ibrahim before it happened, uh, it, it was actually uh, their work, but their work never appeared as anything supernatural or unnatural in this world. It was something quite natural which happened, uh, a volcano, an earthquake, something like that, which seized the people of Lut. Okay, we are done with, uh, with people of Lut, and this is the last prophets that these uh, chain of uh, uh, stories uh, is going to tell us about him before we come to Musa alayhi salam in Surah A'raf. وَإِلَىٰ مَدْيَنَ وَإِلَىٰ مَدْيَنَ أَخَاهُمْ شُعَيْبًا قَالَ يَا قَوْمِ أَبُدُ اللَّهَ مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ غَيْرُهُ The same message, of course, as the previous three prophets. As we said, just take out loot because his message was urgently about something very different before coming to talk, to, wanted to talk about Allah. قَدْ جَاءَتْكُمْ بَيِّنَةٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ فَأَوْفُوا الْكَيْلَ وَالْمِيزَانِ وَلَا تَبْخَسُوا النَّاسَ أَشْيَاعَهُمْ وَلَا تُفْسِدُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ بَعْدَ إِسْلَاحِهَا ذَلِكُمْ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ And to the people of Madian, we sent Shu'ayb, their brother. He said, O my people, worship Allah. You have no other God beside him. There has certainly come to you a manifest proof from your Lord. Observe fully the measure and the balance and do not cheat the people of their goods and do not cause corruption on the earth after its restoration. This is better for you if you are faithful. Now, if you remember, we said there are four Arab prophets mentioned in the Quran, of course, including our prophet Muhammad, peace be on him. And these Arab prophets all lived on different parts of the Arabian Peninsula. Thamud, people of Thamud and Saleh, their prophet, who lived on the, in the north, 
and Hud and his people, Ad, who lived in the south, and Madian, Shu'ayb, who was an Arab prophet, or an Arabized prophet, because they say he was a descendant of Ibrahim, السلام, and Ibrahim was not an Arab, so he may have lived and his parents may have lived there for long. I will talk about his ancestry later on. Have lived there for long that he had become an Arab prophet in that area. And Madian was situated on the uh, western part of the, the westernmost part of the Arabian Peninsula uh, on the shores of the Gulf of Aqaba. And uh, it, it was a huge area, Madian, on that shore, which was a, a sort of had, had its own sovereignty, some king and s- troops and soldiers. And uh, uh, if, if you just imagine the, uh, the Sinian Peninsula and the Gulf of Aqaba, on the other side, when we come to Saudi Arabia now, on the other side, on the eastern part of the uh, Sinai uh, Peninsula was Madian. As, as I said, it was a huge area. The whole uh, western coast uh, of uh, Arabian Peninsula was the territory of the people of Madian. Now, uh, it was, at a time, it was... Uh, an independent sovereignty, even at the time of pharaohs of Egypt, it was an independent sovereign state for itself, or sovereign kingdom for itself. And uh, in the story of Musa, we hear that Musa, to go out of the territories of Pharaoh, he had to travel to Madian, the first place, or the closest place, probably, which came to Musa's mind to flee from Pharaoh was to go to Madian. Uh, of course, it's not said how Musa decided to go to Madian, because uh, in Surah Qasas we have وَجَاءَ رَجُلٌ مَنْ أَقْسَى الْمَدِينَةِ يَسْأَى قَالَ يَا مُوسَى إِنَّ الْقَوْمَ يَأْتَمِرُونَ بِكَ فَخْرُجْ إِنِّي لَكَ مِنَ النَّاصِحِينَ He came and warned. Musa was in Goshen in, in the place where was Madina to Ibrahim, where the, the Jews were living, because he had... Uh, of course, killed someone there, and he, he was hiding there. This man came to him. He said that the people are uh, having a consultation about you, and they are, tr- they are making a decision to kill you. So move out. Now, it's not clear. Musa was a young man, but, but of course, as a prince who were uh, well-educated in the palace, he should have known about the whole geography of the area. Maybe this man or he himself, they actually made the decision together, or Musa alone, that the best place to go is Madian. Of course, Madian, just, to, just imagine in your mind, we have the, 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 the Volta, the upper Volta, uh, in, the, in the Egypt, north of Egypt, someone walking from there, coming through all the Sinai Peninsula, and going to the north of Saudi Arabia, coming down, to Madian, where Shu'ayb was living. It was probably two or three months or even more walk 
by someone who was absolutely destitute and had nothing to eat or no provision and was hiding from everyone actually, not moving on the roads because everyone now knew that the prince has escaped and the pharaoh is after him. So it should have been a very, very uh, difficult journey for Musa coming there. However, what shows the whole, uh, uh, I mean, what, what the story is showing is that the closest place outside the territories of their own was Madian at the time, having its own sovereignty. So uh, when he, the verse says that, Madian, when he directed, faced towards the direction of Madian, he said, my Lord, I don't know the way to Madian. You can just imagine how difficult it was to find such a way for a person without any map, without any compass or whatever. Uh, he, he said, just I rely on you, you guide me to, to go to Madian. And of course, the following verse says that, of course, Allah guided him. He doesn't say how he was guided, how did he find a way. It just says when he arrived on the wells and waters of Madian. So it was outside the jurisdiction. And actually, interestingly, when Musa came there, he was not sure that this was probably, he was not sure that this was out of the territory or sovereignty or power of Pharaoh when he said his story to Shoaib, because he arrived in the house of Shoaib, and uh, Shoaib uh, uh, was a, a very old man without any help in that city, only two daughters who were helping him. So when he was hosted by Shoaib and told his story, فَلَمَّا جَاءَهُ وَقَسَّ عَلَيْهِ الْقَسَسَ قَالَ لَا he said, do not be afraid anymore. You are now saved. You are out of Pharaoh's jurisdiction now. So, uh, roughly we know where Madian was. And when uh, here the verses, And Akham Shoaibah means Shoaib was one of the inhabitants of this city for long. He was one of the tribesmen of people of Madian. People of Madian, uh, some exegetes and some historians say that Madian was a son of Ibrahim salam. And uh, Shu'ayb was actually a fourth descendant of Madian. And Madian had moved to this area, had migrated to this area, and then uh, he had his own people and descendants, and they grew here, and the whole area was called Madian after the name of their forefather, the son of Ibrahim. And also the stories have it that Shu'ayb was a uh, uh, son of, uh, as I said, the, the third descendant of Madian, whose name was... Uh, A very difficult name, so I want to just make it uh, correct. Yeah, Mikil, son of Mikil, who was uh, sorry, who was the third descendant of Ibrahim, the grandson of Madian. And interestingly, the mother of Mikil was the daughter of Lut, 
base 8. It is quite probable because Lut Sadum is on the uh, on the coast of the Dead Sea, or where the Dead Sea is situated now, and then Lut and his daughters coming out of Sodom, it was not far away to come down towards south, coming to Madian, where they had relatives, because they had to go somewhere and live. And probably the, the most natural place, or the first thing that would have come to their mind was to come to where their relatives lived. And of course, uh, Madian was a cousin of Lut, so they came down. And of course, daughter of Lut married there. And Mikhail was a uh, son of uh, uh, Lut's daughter, and Shoaib was, was her grandson. So this is the, just about the genealogy, uh, and it shows that Madian coming to the area was Arabized, actually. The, he married Arabs, and he was Arabized, and therefore Shoaib is regarded as a Arab prophet. There is another thing in the Quran which uh, has perplexed the uh, exegetes, and this is uh, uh, about a people called Ashabul Aika. In Surah Shu'ara, it says, كَذَّبَ أَصْحَابُ الْأَيْكَةِ الْمُرْسَلِينَ إِذْ قَالَ لَهُمْ شُعَيْبٌ أَلَا تَتَّقُونَ Now, they are uh, hesitant whether this أَصْحَابُ الْأَيْكَةِ Aika means forest, a very lush and uh, uh, profuse forest, profusely uh, laden with with trees. So, whether this Ashabul Ayyka, the people who lived close to a forest or in a forest, whether they are the people of Madian or not, some exegetes say that uh, after Madian was destroyed, Shoaib was sent to another people close by, and these were Ashabul Ayyka, the people of the wood of the, or the people of the forest. And this is the view of uh, Qatada, uh, which was one of the tabi'in of Mufassirun. And uh, his uh, justification is that when Allah talks about Ashabu Madian, it says that إِذْ قَالَ لَهُمْ أَخُوهُمْ When their brother Shu'ayb told them. That means brother was one of the, uh, Shu'ayb was one of them a tribesman of the Madian he was. However, when it talks about Ashabul Aika, it doesn't say Akhuhum. It says, إِذْ قَالَ لَهُمْ شُعَيْبٌ أَلَا تَتَّقُونَ Shu'ayb told them. He was not one of them. He was not one of the, 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 the tribesmen there. This is justification. However, Ibn Abbas and others say, no, Ashabul Aika are Ahl Madian. It's, uh, they are the same people. Madian was the whole area, it was a large area, and people to whom Shu'ayb was preaching were the people who lived close to a forest, so they were Ashabul Aika. Now, how can we decide which one is correct? I think the, uh, the, uh, the identification of Ashabul Aika with Ahlu Madian is the better view, because when Shu'ayb is talking to both of them, he says exactly the same thing. And it's not possible that both cities were doing exactly the same wrong. 
It was about awful kayla wala takunu min al-mukhsirin, about keeping the measure correct, the balance correct, do not uh, uh, undersell things to people. So probably we cannot say that there were two people. They were exactly the same people mentioned by two names. And just mentioning ahuhum or not mentioning doesn't really mean anything. Now, in, uh, in the Bible, uh, the name Shu'ayb is not mentioned. Uh, however, the story of Musa fleeing from Pharaoh and going to Madian, and Madian is mentioned, uh, is, is, is mentioned there. But a man, an old man uh, by the name Yethro, who was the priest of Midian, is, uh, it says in the Bible, uh, uh, hosted Musa and his daughter Zipporah married Musa. Well, uh, of course, we also believe Zipporah is the Safura who married Musa alayhi salam. Therefore, this Yathro should be Shu'ayb. However, it is not named by the, the Arabic name that uh, the Quran gives uh, Shu'ayb name Yithro is mentioned, and it's not mentioned that he was a prophet. It's mentioned that he was the priest of Median, probably because the authors of the Bible who wrote this episode about the history of Median were not quite aware of the status of Shu'ayb in, in Madian and in that area. Now, what did Shu'ayb say to his people? Uh, the same thing. We discussed this before. A clear proof has come for you from your Lord. Now, this certainly signifies a miracle. A miracle which was quite clear for the people of Madian that it had come from God. But still they denied. However, the Quran never mentions a miracle for Shu'ayb, as the Bible does not mention a miracle, and the Bible does not regard Shu'ayb or Yithro to be a prophet. Uh, but uh, not mentioning exactly what miracle Shu'ayb had brought to his people doesn't mean that he didn't have any miracle. Just like the Quran does not mention any miracle for the prophet, peace be on him. However, we know by hadith, by history, that Prophet, peace be upon him, had many miracles, but nothing is mentioned in the Quran about the miracles of the Prophet. So here the miracle of Shu'ayb is not mentioned. However, he says himself in, in his conversation with people that this is the miracle of God. A very clear sign has come uh, from your Lord. Now, the main uh, evil which was quite a spectacular after idol worshipping because he says, So it shows that they were an idol worshipper people. After that, the social vials and uh, vicious acts that they were doing were underselling things to people, cheating in transactions. And this is now the main message of the Tawheed given by Shu'ayb to his people. So observe fully the measure and balance. And this is probably what they used to do, not among themselves, because among themselves they, they couldn't do it. And when Shu'ayb, 
I mean, if in a society, if in a society everyone is doing the same thing, uh, and Shoaib is preaching them not to do it, probably they say, yes, this is wrong, we are cheating each other. Probably they were doing it with other people. And this was a custom among them to undersell things to other people and, of course, to cheat people of other tribes. And certainly what Shoaib is, the, the people who Shoaib is, uh, are addressing are the chiefs and the heads or chieftains in, in different tribes of Madian, and they were the people who were doing this apparently to other people, but there is a possibility that they were doing it among themselves as well. So, and do not teach people out of their properties. Bachs is when you somehow undervalue something or make something to, uh, to appear quite worthless. This is what they used to do. And do not create corruption in the earth. So corruption probably mean uh, what they were doing. Of course, corruption was underselling, undervaluing things, uh, uh, after it has been somehow uh, clarified for you that what is the correct way. So apparently there were prophets before Shu'ayb. They had preached there. They had showed them the right way of life, the right way of conduct. However, after this was restored, after prophets had preached, after some people had believed, then they deviated again. So he says, وَلَا تُفْسِدُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ بَعْدَ إِسْلَاهِ After it has been uh, rectified, ذَلَكُمْ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ Of course, this is better for you in your social relations, in your relation to God, in all these. إِنْ كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ means if you believe me, not of course if you believe in God, because of course, Regarding these things, uh, Shoaib is not referring to their belief in God. It's referring to uh, their re- reliance on the personality of Shoaib probably. And then there are other things that they were doing and Shoaib would, uh, would allude to in the next verse, which we inshallah leave for the, this, the next session. Thank you very much, Ayesha. We now have some time for questions. Question from the front row first. Assalamu alaikum. Even in Surah Al-Qasas, there is no mention of Shaib. So how we know that he was Shaib, the father of the two girls? Yeah, well, of course, because in Madian, uh, all exegetes, when uh, the daughters say, Abuna Shaykhun Kabir, they say Shaykhun Kabir was Shu'ayb. And we know that uh, uh, Musa had no father-in-law in Madian but Shu'ayb. So although the name is not mentioned specifically, but everyone would identify that Shaykhun Kabir with Shu'ayb. Uh, I just want to say, uh, you know, the stones were marked by angels for every person. Is it possible to know what kind of signs 
they were marked or whatever they archaeologists can find no 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 that's supernatural marks that's not natural marks certainly not names written on it of course names written in a different way in a different dimension not in this dimension all right thank you yeah what is an interesting thought (laughs) we may go and try to to see if we find some of those stones to see if there is a mark on it on them or not of course, this needs huge funding and huge archaeological sort of uh, venture, which probably makes it impossible to do. Yeah. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, you mentioned that the stones were marked for the individual persons. And, uh, is it possible we can look at it as a phenomenon that when the punishment comes to Musafin, that punishment is also marked for individuals uh, and that uh, principle continues. So the, all the punishment comes uh, in that uh, the, the other f- uh, phenomenon that you mentioned, not the natural cause and effect one, but the other one that you mentioned, which is uh, controlled by the uh, uh, angels, sort of. And then the punishment comes to individual even today. Is it possible we can well, think that the, way? Well, the verse says, after mentioning this, it says, وَمَا هِيَ مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ بِبَعِيدٍ This is not far from ظَالِمِينَ. So it may happen to other ظَالِمِينَ as well. However, there is no way for us to verify this. We just have to believe in it. There is no way that we can verify such a thing. What I'm trying to say is that uh, the punishment when comes, it comes to individual and it is marked for individuals that, uh, that this punishment is for this person in this particular form. Mm-hmm. It continues in that way. That is what I'm trying to get at. That punishment was in the form of stone. The punishment today may be in a different form, but uh, that is for an individual and individual punishment comes through even today. Is it possible to think that way? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Uh, actually, uh, about the Ababil, uh, who came to uh, destroy the troops of Abraha in Mecca, also they threw stones on, on the people. And in traditions, we have that those stones were marked for every individual, that which stone should hit which individual. However, if we look at it uh, from a more uh, a wider theological point of view, we can say that everything in this world is marked. I mean, everything is marked by Allah for every individual. Uh, in, in, in that realm, of course, the details are minute. And we think that things happen accidentally and there is no correlation between them probably or there is no correlation between different details of accidents. However, when we go to higher realms, of course, everything we have collected in a clear book. And therefore, everything is signed, is marked for for everyone, good or evil. Uh, Why this is mentioned, especially about this punishment, because uh, it, it is a sort of warning that you are not out of sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, probably. Uh, well, this is all I can say about it now.
Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Just a very quick point. Uh, you mentioned that uh, the end of this ayah, ذَلِكُمْ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ I'm a bit surprised when you said mu'mineen, as in uh, they believe in, in shu'ayb, not mu'mineen, as in iman. But it also mentions at the start of the ayah, uh, So he does introduce Allah to them and he does preach uh, the oneness of Allah. So why do you not think that al-mu'mineen is, is believing in Allah? Well, I chose the view of uh, Faisal Khashani in this. And there is a justification for it. Yes, there are others who say that if you believe in God, this is better for you. So if you believe in God, then you, or if you believe in God, you know that this is better for you. However, his justification is that they were not mu'mineen. And he is just telling them not to do it, whether they are believers or not believers. From a human point of view, from a social point of view, this is better for you. If you believe in my old experience, because he was a very old man, isn't it? As, as in Surah Qasas, we have Abuna Shaykhun Kabir. And he was a very old man, very experienced person, a respected man in there. So he was telling them, actually, according to Faisal Kashani, that he was telling them that if you accept my words, then I w- I'm telling you this is better, even if you want worldly benefits, worldly materials, worldly uh, gains, this is better for you. As I said, other exegesis take it as iman fillah, which uh, is a bit complicated to take it in that way because it means that he is presupposing their iman before they have faith in him. And that is why Faisal Kashani has turned it into that way. Any questions on the lady's side? Um, Sheikh, just one interesting point that you were saying, the people of the forest, and when we look around right now, there are no forests. You can hardly find trees in that region. But about 3,000, 3,500 years ago, the place was forested. Even Sahara was more like a grassland. Mm. So that's just an interesting point to note. Yeah, Yeah, very good point. Thank you. You mentioned about Ibrahim's son. I I thought he only had two, but were there a lot more? Madian, you mentioned them. Yeah, probably. Maybe he may have others later. The the two were the prophets. Uh, he may have had other sons, according to these traditions. Yeah. Talking about Ibrahim, why many tafsirs insist that the Dabih is Ishaq? Why is that? Dabihah is Ishaq. Not Ismail. Because it's in the Bible. But in many tafsir, even Bayan al-Tabrasi, al-Qurtubi, they insist the Dabih is. Why is that? As I said, because it's in the Bible, and many of the exodus from the Tabi'un, they used to get the details of the uh, tafsir from the, uh, the Israeliyat. And Israeliyat mean those p- uh, traditions which came from the people of the book who could read the Bible, had the details, 
like Kabul Ahbar, for example, they had the details, they told it to the exegetes because they didn't have any other details and explanation for it, so they adopted this. And that's why many stories of the Bible are adopted by the exegetes just out of uh, their good trust and good faith in people like Abu Lahbar who had converted to Islam and they could read the Bible. Because the exodus couldn't read the Bible. The Bible was not translated into, uh, into Arabic until the second century. So they just relied on the people who could rely, who could read the Bible and could relate to them the stories, and that's how these have crept into, like the stories about Dawood, the stories about Suleiman, they all have crept into our uh, tafsir because of that reliance on Israelis. Are there any more questions? I think we're in there. Thank you very much. Salawat. Thank you.